like a beatnik, and I was like, mamas and papas and uncles and aunts, hug their little dears and dust their pants. <laughs> so you sounded like Bruce Springsteen. Well, Bruce Springsteen, if he was uh, a beatnik, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh, we're recording. A... <laughs> That's really crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. And uh, make sure to speak up a little bit. No, I know you won't have that problem. <laughs> how are you doing, Jack? That's that's much better. I'm doing okay, Andrew. How how about yourself? Great, and welcome everybody to the Wages of Cinema. Yes, welcome I'm back. Andrew. That is Andrew, and I was just talking over him. I am Jack. My apologies. Um, we're back here for another look into the world of celluloid and uh, well, digital it's, it's 4K. Digital now. Well, some of the stuff is film, technically. Yeah, I mean, like some of the stuff is VHS. Well, maybe. <laughs> That reminds Get me. Get with I, the times, Jack. That reminds me. I read a depressing uh, article. I I don't know how true it is, but there's somebody in Ontario, this businessman, who's looking to recycle like all of the city's VHS tapes. Huh. I mean, that's good if you have like old VHS tapes that you don't need. It's better yeah. than throwing them away. I, I but I mean, you know, if you were like collecting, like it was it was a, an evil plan to destroy all VHS, then yeah. <laughs> But that should be uh that should be a movie. That's your next script. Yes. The, I'll get right on it. The the plan to destroy all the movies. Yes. And uh V H S O S Actually I like that. That's not bad. V H S O S. That should be the next movie. But here's some good news. Uh Please sh- share. shorts are coming back in, in a what way. way. Like uh Well you mean like before Disney movies? Before Disney movies. Which well, is that's better been for than a while. it's been. It's been for a while, though. I remember, not not with all Disney movies, but Pixar, going back to A Bug's Life, had shorts before the movies. I remember seeing one before Toy Story 2. That was yeah, like the first time I that. remembered seeing one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Uh, now, where did this come from? Did you see a... Dis- I, saw, I saw a newspaper article in the Bergen Record mm. talking about it. Uh, I mean, they said it's kind of like a tiny renaissance... But they yeah. were saying, like, well, can documentaries and things be far behind? Maybe, maybe. I don't see that happening. Yeah, we we have we have the we have the twenty four hour news cycle. That you can't really compete with that when you know the news. Yeah, you know, that that's why I, you need something wanna, like especially the audiences that go to see movies. They don't want to see like. News on the march. No, I mean I'm today not... the USA invades Russia. The, what? <laughs> the news serial is definitely gone. What well, I'm you saying, say documentary, you mean like? Well, yeah, but news is not a documentary. Hmm. That's like that's like saying that a newspaper is a book. No, it's not the same thing. It isn't. No, Jack. Okay. <laughs> no. I'm... Uh, but I'm just trying to picture what. You... Well, I mean, there are still. Yeah, there. I mean, when. I believe the problem is though you have things today like the Daily Show, and well we had Colbert he's gone John Stewart will be gone soon but God rest shows, his soul but shows like that I think kind of fill the void for watching the news and like popular but I'm not even talking about news like documentary films are still a thing you can make a short documentary oh well, yeah and of course they're, they they they're still a category at the Oscars yeah so why can't you put one in front of a movie Jack. Um, well, no, I I don't disagree. I'm just trying to. But picture... you've been disagreeing with me for the last five minutes. I, yeah. Well, no, I don't. I 
I would like to see it. I just don't see it. That's happening. it. This podcast is over. God all damn right. it. Uh, all right. So we should. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, my, but my week's been all right. Um, actually, it'll be my birthday in a couple of days. So oh. That's cool. Cool. And I, you know, it's not one of those birthdays that's really a big deal. It's just. 43. <laughs> 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 It's like Patton Oswalt, he had a whole bit about birthdays, and he's like, what, you're 26? Go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so we should get talking about movies uh, that we have seen. You That's first, because thing. you have five times as many movies as I I have seen a lot of movies. What I'll do is, um, I'll talk actually about three movies. I'll consider this sort of my block. So I'm going to talk about three movies. And I'll turn it over to Andrew. He'll talk about his one. Then we'll volley back and forth. Lay, us, lay it on us, man. All right. Spread some knowledge. I'll try it, man. See, here us uh, snapping our fingers. Yeah, it's interesting seeing how that comes up on the audio recording. Uh, <laughs> and that should get Corey in here to try to snap in front of her. And Don't make fun of her disability. Yeah. <laughs> God's sakes, Jack. She's your wife. I know. It's not. <laughs> what movies did you see? Okay. Now, I'd like to talk about three films that I saw in the theater recently. New releases that have been out there. Um, and so the first one, I'll just get, I'll just, I'll do a couple of them really quickly, though. And then I'll talk about one that I do want to have a little bit of time on. Uh, first up, uh, the new Liam Neeson thriller, Run All Night. I'm the only one ever cared about you. And all of that ended an hour ago when you killed my son. I'm coming after your boy with everything I got. I won't let you take him, Sean. You got no choice. And when it's done, and it will be done, you and I are going to meet back here at this restaurant at this same table that I used to share with my boy, and I'm going to look you in the eyes just like you're looking me in the eyes right now. And I'm going to see how empty they are. Without your son in the world. Same thing I saw in my wife's eyes. Same thing you see in my eyes. And when I see that, then I'll let you die. Now, um, have you seen uh, any or many of these recent Liam Neeson I have not seen books. any Liam Neeson action films. Yeah, uh, so you haven't seen uh, Taken. I haven't seen the Takens. I haven't seen the one where he hunts the wolves. Uh, oh, that's or, and I haven't really seen one. Nonstop, like the one where he's on the air- airplane. Yeah, you haven't seen Unknown where he like uh, forgets who he is and nobody remembers who he is and he turns out to be like a secret agent. It's like kind of like a weird spoiler sort of rip off. Well, <laughs> the movie's been out for a while. But, I don't even know. I don't think the movie knew what it was about. I so. have not seen any of those films, but I okay. did see his Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> I would hope a lot of people saw a Super Bowl commercial. It was very You'll funny. You the day you crossed angry Neeson 55. Yes. Revenge! <laughs> I don't remember him saying that. Scone for, li- Scone for Lion? Uh, Stone oh. for a lion. Yeah, he, he was in Alright, forget it. Let's yeah, but, the but the point is, so this movie was called Run All Night. Um, again, this is one of his uh, latest spat of action films. Um, I, I think that he's been doing a lot of these because, in part, because uh, his wife died, actually, about five or six years ago. Right around the time of the first Taken. 
And I think he kind of decided as a way of dealing sort of with the grief of it. He's like, all right, I'm just going to plunge into work. I'm going to take whatever they offer me. And that's how you get... Not healthy, but well, thank that's, you. That's how we get Liam Neeson playing Zeus in Clash of the Titans. <laughs> in Wrath of the Titans. Which was fun, though, because you got to see Liam Neeson and Ray Fiennes playing against one another. Um, it was pretty bad. Um, but now we come to a movie like Run All Night. This is where he plays... Um, against Ed Harris. Yes, Ed Harris. Um, and Liam Neeson is this hitman who's been working for Ed Harris for almost like their whole lives. Um, you know, they've been kind of best friends. You know, They're such good TV. friends he gave them a dental plan. Yeah, a dental plan with his fist. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Liam Neeson would do it. Yeah, he would. Um, but what happens, Liam Neeson's character, when we see him, he's he's a drunk. He's kind of all messed up and all over the place. He's um, not really good to anybody anymore, and not least of which his son, who hasn't seen him in like five years. Um, but as the title might suggest, uh, the movie takes place over the course of one night. Um I won't go into too many details, although I'm sure you could probably see some of them in the trailer. Um, it's after hours, but with more bullets. Um, no, no, not that quite like Wild that. guess. You, you're, I don't know if you're that close at all. It's not that surreal. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would have been more interesting for sure. Um, no, but what we get is basically Liam Neeson's son gets into some stuff with Ed Harris's son. Um, I can spoil, it's actually not really a spoiler, it's in the trailer. Um, Ed Harris's son dies, um, and it's sort of Liam Neeson's fault. Actually, not sort of, it is Liam Neeson's fault. Although there are a lot of complications with that, that, you know, it's one of those criminal things. Um, but Ed Harris, of course, because of his pride, uh, decides, all right, now forget, you know, Liam Neeson, you know, you're going to be taken out soon, but I'm going to go after your son first. He's going to die. You know, he has, like, pride, he's messed up with guilt. Never he's... mind your particular set of skills. I'm going to take out your son. Yes. <laughs> I think maybe we should reclassify this as an, entirely, as an entire genre of threatened oh, Liam sure. Neeson's family. Oh, yeah, no, well, that's what Like in Rob are. Roy. Oh, I haven't seen Rob Roy. Oh, never mind, then. <laughs> See, it's funny. So, it's like the one, Liam ne the one Liam Neeson action movie you've seen is from, like, 20 years ago. And it's not really an action film, either, but... Really? Uh, yeah, I got the sense it's a, it's it was a, a swashbuckler it, type. Of thing. Yeah, there, there's not so much swash, but there's still it's still a good movie. Okay, and there's a there's a big fight, but uh, yeah, with Tim Roth. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, um, the movie's good. You know, it's 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 fun. Now it's, is it is it like good in a like yeah that was better than I expected or good as in yeah standard better than I expected. Um, I'd say that it's the kind of movie where um. Oh, sorry. I, I, you know, I, sh I should just say hi to my, my wife, who's kind of passing by here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, so better right. than you expected? Yeah, a little bit. I think that, yeah, it's a little better than I expected. Um, there's a little bit more attention to character. When you have actors like Ed Harris and Liam Neeson playing off one another, it's a lot of fun. I almost wish there was a little bit more of that in the film. Um, you know, it's mostly Liam Neeson and his son, you know, trying to run away from gangsters. And, you know, Liam Neeson, of course, gets into fights. But the thing about Liam Neeson in all these movies is he doesn't want to fight people. It's just that, you know, people keep on messing with him. And he's like, all right. And then he kicks the crap out of them. Yeah. So, um, in a way, like, I feel like Liam Neeson's career right now, he's 
sort of our 21st century equivalent of Charles Bronson. Eh. Like, he had a whole spat of films starting with, you know, maybe, I don't know if it was starting he, with Death Wish. He was in, but, you know, but, but I mean, he was in Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape, which, you know, oh, are, sure, really, no, no. I, well, are really good movies, and then he does all the Death Wish movies. Yeah, Death Wish. And, and then he becomes like, Charles Bronson, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean well he was the original guy where it's like you mess with my family and you're gonna die <laughs> he has that voice oh and he was in the, the dirty dozen well yeah yeah no well again like with liam neeson though i mean liam neeson's been in a ton of great films you know but again now it's just in the past five or six years he's had this whole period where you know i mean the guy's 62 years old all right and so he's doing all these things and this one is fine. This I mean, one's better than the other. But others, that's why he's but... playing like the father who's trying to save his children. Like yeah, that's basically and, him. And now run all night. Yeah. Well, this one, the little or like the grizzled veteran yeah. in whatever it is with the wolves. What's that movie called? The Gray. You just said the, it. No, earlier. I didn't say The Gray. I was talking about it, but I didn't know the title. The Gray. Yeah. So he's always like the grizzled veteran or like the father. Or now. the A Team. Oh yeah, there we go. The A Team. Yeah. Um. And actually, it's it's funny though because. I think maybe it was more due to Taken 3, which by all accounts I've heard is a piece of shit. That, <laughs> like, I've listened... I remember when Taken came out and we were like, Liam Neeson in an action movie, and then everyone was like, yeah, it's surprisingly good. And then, then the sequel started coming. Yeah, it's almost like... And it's kind of like the... in Last Action Hero... Where Arnold, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, is you know in these movies, and like for every sequel, it's like another distant relative of his gets killed, <laughs> or, and it's like, and Art Carney is like his second cousin, yeah. and he's like, they killed my second cousin. Now I'm gonna kill them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't seen the Taken sequels, but I think that it's it does just revolve around his wife and daughter. Yeah, I guess that is, that is the difference in the Death Wish movies. Like, it becomes like. His girlfriend's like stepson or something like that, and yeah, it's like I don't know if you. This is just a quick tangent. I'll get back to the movies, but I don't know if you remember when we were at William Patterson University, um, the short film Bronson versus Robots. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, near the end of that, it's like Bronson's beat up a robot, and he's like, "That's my wife and my kids and my daughter so- and my daughter and my bitch of a sister and my." <laughs> 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 all the all the all yeah. the uh, all the anger comes yeah. out now the difference now i should say the difference in this movie is that you know unlike in taken you know that you know that 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 involved you know his daughter who was kind of helpless you know she couldn't really uh defend she, herself she, this one he's t- trying to like protect his son and his son you know is perfectly capable he's not like a fighting type even though he is a boxer he's a grown man he's a grown man actually the actor and I'm forgetting his name, but he played RoboCop in the latest RoboCop. As if anyone saw the new RoboCop. <laughs> I hope no one saw the new RoboCop. No judgments, Jack. <laughs> I, well, I like my opinion. So, anyway, yeah. so this movie... Oh, my, yeah, my mic is... You gotta tighten your stand, man. Yeah. Well... Hold on. Just fixing my mic here. Um, so I'd say this is a good movie. Uh, again, it's nothing... It's nothing too unexpected. There's some good action going on. Um, you know, it's not if you if you if you're a fan of these Neeson action movies. I mean, you could see it for pretty cheap, or you can wait to rent it. Um, or you could just go get or go see Snowpiercer instead. 
That would be a much better plan. You could see a lot of movies. Maybe that's what we should do now. Like, when we get to see a mediocre movie, suggest an alternative. Well, yeah. And that one has Ed Harris, so... That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, we'll save that one for the next podcast, yeah. though. Yeah. All right, but, uh, so... Uh, so run all night. You want to... Okay. You have a bunch of others you want to okay, group Okay, so I'm going to go... One? I'm going to keep going. Now, this one I'll do much quicker. Uh, I saw this horror movie, uh, The Lazarus Effect. Right. Um, this movie is... Okay. It's about a, a group of medical students uh, who are tasked to uh, try to... They're, they're given a grant for something. You know, it's, it's one of these things that, you know, they do in a and horror movie. And since they have to justify the grant, they decide to... Well, they uh, decide instead of, They decide like, to play God. Yeah, instead <laughs> of what they're supposed to do, it's like, all right, I'm going to try to bring back this dog from the dead. And, well, I mean, uh, come on, you could justify spending money on that. Well, they do it. Well, they they. I don't up, know what academic life is like, okay? They, but I'm pretty sure that if you say we brought a dog back to life, and they was like, okay, you can have more money. Yeah, that's the unrealistic thing. Like in this movie, and I'm sure in other horror movies, where they bring back the de- the dog from the dead, and then like the their superior dog medical... from the dead too. <laughs> dead by dog. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. Dog from the dead. Dog of the Dead. I'm sure it's been done somewhere. Well, you never know. Like uh, like Space Cop. Or, or Cop Dog. <laughs> you ever heard of Cop Dog? I, I have. You've heard of the review of I, Cop Dog. I think I'm I've sure. seen the... I don't, know, I don't remember okay. much about it. All right. Anyway, so this movie... So the, these medical students, they get this magic serum. Who who knows how they made it? They have some explanation in the movie. It's the Force. Baloney. Yeah. Um, the movie has... Just some... accept the premise and let's get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens is, is that they're... Because of them meddling and not telling their medical superiors what they were doing, their plug gets pulled by... Of all people, and it's just a cameo, is Ray Weiss. He kind of comes in and is like, Alright, you're all done. You know, we own all of this now. And, um... But they have one more night to go in there and try to do the experiment. Like, one more time. Uh, this belongs to us now, but we'll give you one more night just because we're good sports. Yeah, it's one of those contrivances where, like, one of the people on the team has been filming everything, but their footage gets confiscated, and so, you know, it's like, it's like it never happened. So now, we have to go in in the middle of the night and, and, you know, bypass security and go into our medical lab and recreate the experiment with another dog, um, (laughs) and bring this dog back from the dead. Oh, and by the way, the the dog is acts weird that they bring back. It's like the dog, you know, he used to be kind of happy. The dog is kind of just like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just laying down here. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, the dog like will be sta- will be like on the bed looking at like one of the characters. <laughs> the dog has seen things that should never be seen. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a zombie dog sort. Of. But what happens is that uh, it's it's in, like Pet Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, in Pet Cemetery. Also, but then it, and then it gets into Return of the Living Dead because the char- <laughs> Olivia Wilde is in the movie, and you know they're doing literally the kind of thing where they're you know pulling the switch to activate <laughs> life. I, it's not just the switch. There's Pull also the, the serum, switch, but Igor. there is an electrical component to it. And yes, when she, master. But what happens is she's pulling the switch and it electrocutes <laughs> her and she dies. And then right on the spot. Um, the the main male character who's you know in love with this girl uh, played by Mark Duplass he 
says, no, we got to do this on her right now. Everyone else in the group is like, I don't know. This is kind of wrong. No, we're going to do it right now. If anybody doesn't like it, you can leave. And they're like, okay, let's All right, do it. we're leaving. <laughs> yeah, and so they bring her back from the dead. Um, and the problem is, is that, you know, first of all, I mean, she comes back and she has a great reaction. This is probably like the best part of the movie where she comes back and she's like, did I just die? I can hear things. I can see things. Look, look at my hand. Wait. There's nothing wrong with her. When I died... I went somewhere. I was in the building. I was there. I could hear the people. They were stuck. Zoe, that was a dream. It's a traumatic memory from your childhood. It's not real. That's what I thought. I couldn't wake up. I was stuck. It was endless. I tried. It went on and on. And every day I was there. It was the same over and over. Every single day. Zoe, Zoe, you were gone for less than an hour. You were right here. You didn't know. You don't understand. <laughs> and they're all just like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's the, the first half of the movie is much is is better than I expected. I expect this movie to be a piece of shit. It seems pretty boilerplate. It is boilerplate. The actors help a bit. Like the guy Mark Duplass, he's in a lot of good stuff. Like he's usually a marker of quality. Um, the problem sure. is, is that the second half of the movie. It's okay. Like, it's not... I mean, it does something that I know you have a problem with in horror movies. The which, jump scare? Yeah, they do a few of those. God damn jump Not all of them, but they do some jump scare. Some of them, like, you don't know why they're doing it. Like, early on in the movie, it's like a character will be on a laptop, and all of a sudden another character will come in. Ha! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> It should have just been like he should have been on his laptop just typing, and he's like, "Oh, let's see if I can find the ghost in this picture." Mm, I have to <laughs> examine it very closely and turn up my speakers. Yeah. Like, ah! mm-hmm. but what happens is, and so in the second half, Olivia Wilde, you know, she's the woman who gets Rosen risen back from the dead. She, you she, know, I mean, she, she's obviously freaked out. And what happens is, is that she, she's early on in the movie, she has these nightmares, and she now, like when she's back from the, she's come back from the dead, and she tells everybody. No, you don't understand. I've been away for years. <laughs> you know, and like she's kind of been in like I guess she thinks she's been in hell. And um and there are and then she starts killing everybody else. Which oh. I, I would say that's a spoiler, but you know what's coming. The trailer shows you everything. Yeah. It's one of those bad trailers. And yet like, like the trailer said, for Apollo eighteen. Oh yeah, yeah. Well that that trailer lied. That, that's something we gotta talk about later. But, yeah, uh, but the point is so just wrapping it up. The cast makes up for a lot of what's good in the movie. Also, Donald Glover is in the in the cast. I like him a bit. The actor who played uh, uh, Quicksilver in X Men: Days of Future Past, well, yeah. he's on the team. He's pretty good. So you have good people in the cast, bringing up material that's kind of just okay. It is what it is. You know, it's a movie that kind of comes in and comes out, grabs the money, runs away. Um, I don't know if it was quite successful. <laughs> then you say, as "Hey, that's movies. my money. Come back, you thief." Yeah, it's a little. It, the problem is, like I said, it's a little too familiar with other stuff. Like you mentioned, Pet Cemetery. You can also bring up Reanimator. Yeah, I mentioned Return of the Living Dead Part Three. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of other films that you could think of. So go see Reanimator instead. 
the original, re- the first one. That's no a sequels. Good point. Yeah, if you're a hard <laughs> junkie, you'll see this at some point. Okay, so Lazarus Effect is done. Now, th- now this is the. It's funny how I've gone on longer than I thought about those two movies, but the one I really want to talk about <laughs> is Neil Blomkamp's Chappie. Oh. So. What do you know about this movie? I saw the trailer in the theater when I think I was when I went to see Interstellar. Okay. And I know it's about uh, a robot. Okay. Well, kind of like Johnny Five. Okay. Well, here's what happens. Alive. Well, here's what happens. Okay. So it's set in the year 2016. Ooh. First of all, first sign. You know, the last time I've seen a movie where it takes place a year in the future is Southland Tales. Um, (laughs) Okay, but here's what I like to do. Like, I'm gonna throw you off for just one minute. Okay. I'd like for a movie to take place in the future, but I want them to date it like five years in the past. Wait, what? Okay, let's say that they took instead of setting Chappie in 2016. Uh-huh. They said it in 2010. Okay, but then, like, so they created the technology and... Oh, okay, I think I see what you're saying. Because it doesn't matter. Because in two <laughs> two years, it's going to be like, yeah, haha, they were going to be living rob... They were going to be intelligent robots a year ago. Oh, <laughs> it's the 2001 syndrome all over again. Hmm. Making predictions that don't come true. So let's get that out of the way, and we'll just set it in the past. See, the problem is though, you could you could have you could have your sort of futuristic creation that happened in the past, but then in that movie, it better not like come to fruition. Like it needs to kind of be wiped out by the end of the movie. Not really. Because I'm just then saying. Why doesn't it exist now? Like, because it's have, a fictional movie, like, Jack. Let's, well, let's say we have a movie set in 2010 that involves a flying flying cars. Yeah, who cares? Because <laughs> if you set it in 2020, people in 2025 are going to say, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Sorry, nah, I had to no, laugh no, at you, 2020. But it has to be done. Go on, Chappie. All right. Anyway, so Chappie is set in... I'm so, angry today. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> Woo! Jeez. You, you, uh, somebody cut you off in traffic or something? All right. All right. So anyway, Chappie, well, this, well, when I tell you about this movie, you might get angry again. So it's set in uh, Johannesburg, uh, once again, just like Neil Blomkamp's District 9 and Neil Blomkamp's Elysium. Yeah, he, that's what he's, he's known for, really. Um, District 9. Um, and in this, in this sort of one year in the future, Johannesburg, um, this uh, scientist, played by Dev Patel, has created um, these... Zuko from uh, Last Airbender. That's what you know him from? Yeah. Not Slumdog Millionaire? Last Airbender left a very deep impression on me. Yeah, and I guess not a good one. <laughs> I said it was deep. Yeah. Not good. Okay, so anyway, he creates these uh, robots that can fight on the... that can be a part of the police force like they don't replace all the police but they're sort of there to assist them when you know getting you know criminals and you stuff. have five seconds to comply <clears throat> uh not even so much like that they just go in and you know shoot and stuff like that they're basically programmed to do that um but dev patel on the side is has been for a long time trying to create his own artificial intelligence and he's finally successful and you know, at first he goes to, you know, he he's part of sort of a techno police force. Like, he's not a cop. He's a scientist. And also Hugh Jackman is there, and I'll get to him in a minute. Um, 
you think you're angry. Wait till I get to Hugh Jackman. But um, he goes to Sigourney Weaver, who's his boss, and he asks him, okay, look, I've created sentient life. You know what this means? Like, it can create, like, art. It can do things. And he's like, and she's like, you mean to tell, you're coming to me, to someone who creates robots for the cops and says that you created artificial intelligence that can write poetry? It is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> well, man, the script. Um, okay, yeah, but I anyway. see what you're getting at. Like, oh, I created hey, a, I created an artificial You brain. created artificial life, and you're blowing it off like, oh, please, we don't do that here. Get out of here. Like, you could use that for something. All right, but anyway. But now we get into the actual story. So, so while this is happening with Dev Patella, he basically decides, all right, there was this one robot that got like kind of blown away almost not completely but it was damaged really badly in a in a fight with some gangsters and so he decides all right i'm going to use this as my test subject i'm going to put my data chip with this artificial life into this robot and you know try to see if i can make it work um and he sort of steals the robot from the base and he's going to bring it home with him while this is happening cut to these uh, three gangsters um, or uh, gangsters is being polite. They're basically street thugs. Um, and they decide, you know what? And we need, we need money. We need lots of money. Cause we owe another big time street thug for drugs or whatever. Like you do. So what if we could, what if we could kidnap the guy that's created all these robots and have him, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if a robot's like a TV, we're going to try to get to turn off. The robot. We're going to do that. And, of course, you know, it's not possible. You can't turn off these robots like you would a TV. But they end They're up, street thugs. They're not very But they smart. end up kidnapping Dev Patel while he's en route with his, uh, you know, his his uh, cop robot. Um, he While they're there, he's... Ooh, there's an idea. Robot cop. <laughs> I... I don't think anyone's <laughs> taken that before. This... This is gonna. This is gonna. It's kind of a stretch. (laughs) Oh no, no! Believe me, this. Unfortunately, I think I have something. Okay. All right. So Dev Patel, you know, he gets up um, this robot, and the robot becomes aware. And the robot's first actions are to act like a frightened child. Like the robot goes behind like the door is like very much like a baby. The robot has to be learned words, but the gangsters now they want to teach this robot who they nicknamed Chappie um, to get them to rob banks with them. Uh, and Dev Patel's like no, and like he tells Chappie no, no, you you cannot kill people. You are not a gun. Yes, you cannot kill people. Promise me you won't kill people. And he says that one second. The next second, he says to him, don't listen to what people tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the logic of this script. So then you have Chappie kind of going between, you know, these two sides. Although Dev Patel is not really there as much as he should be. Because then these street thugs, and apparently they're played by like a... Like a South African rap group, too. That's the weird thing in it. And they're like, you know, if you want to be cool, you gotta dress up like daddy. You gotta you gotta be gangster. And like they give him like gold chains and like stencil his butt bo- like you've seen Short Circuit too. No. Oh, you haven't. You I haven't seen the- I only know it from the nostalgia critic reviews. Oh. Alright. Well, there's a scene Short Circuit 2 where like Johnny Five is run is like roaming around Los Angeles. 
and these street thugs, you know, see Johnny Five, and they and he runs into no, sorry, <laughs> yeah, they're the, keep going, they're keep the going. Lo, they're the Los Locos gang, and their <laughs> their whole song is Los Locos kick your ass, Los Locos kick your face, Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it's pretty catchy. But anyway, <laughs> and so they they get Johnny Five. They sort of trick him into stealing like all these car stereos. Now that's one scene. It's a pretty entertaining scene in what is otherwise a very charming movie until like the last act, but that's another thing. That's his whole movie is, is well, part of it's that we're making Chappie learn to be a gangster. And then you have Hugh Jackman who plays like the most one dimensional, like head terrible villain I've seen in a long, long time. Like his whole thing is like he's basically create. You've seen RoboCop, I hope. No, no. How can I talk about this movie with you? Do you know in RoboCop the there's like the first one they make that's kind of like uh... yeah, that's the basically the killing machine. Yeah. Okay. I know that scene. Yeah, Hugh Jackman has basically created like a giant version of that, and he wants to use that like against the criminals in the city. But the cops basically tell him, "No, this is like." too much you know we and when the cops say it's too much yeah you know. exactly the cops <laughs> tell him that hugh jackman's character then goes out of his way to first all right, all right this is where we get in the spoilers okay so i just have to say that because i i do have to go off on this movie a little bit and then this will also sort of tie in a bit with our main subject tonight um Cover okay. your ears, ladies and gentlemen. If you cover your really ears. have your heart set cover on, your not, ears. on seeing Chappie. Cover your ears, and if you go to the theater, cover your eyes. <laughs> um, so Hugh Jackman proceeds to... I mean, first of all, he, he tries to... Sh- he gets, like, some kind of tech from Chappie. Uh, I forget what it was. But he uses that to shut down all, all of the other cop robots in the city. So that, like, mass chaos is now happening, and he's creating a situation where now Sigourney Weaver, like, he's hoping that now he can go to her and be like, okay, now I can use my giant robot, right? Matt, listen, this is the work of Dion. It's the work of some filthy rogue program that he's been writing, and last night he brought a droid in here, and it was sentient. Right, and, and have you seen this? Do you know about this? I told him no. Okay, that's a lot worse than just failing to work. So let's use this situation to make a certain other robot shine. Do it. Destroy that robot. Thank you, ma'am. Burn it to ash. And he's also like, he's kind of like, they hint that he's like a Christian nut or something, but they don't really go that much into that. He's like... Like, he he makes my head hurt. This movie makes my head hurt. This movie is stupid. I actually, like, like when I saw this with Corey, I described it to her as a roller coaster of stupid. It's like you're on this ride, and you're going from one stupid thing to another. And Chappie, like, when when you watch the Short Circuit movies, you know, Johnny Five is actually a a very likable, you know, kind of character. And it's meant for kids. This is like a hard R-rated super violent movie about like you know an adorable a seemingly adorable robot who learns to you know wear bling and you know 
steal cars and you know maybe not kill people but get close and <laughs> and then in the second half of the movie then they get into this whole thing about like that Chappie may like you know like Chappie's life power might run out so now he has to figure out okay is there a way I can transfer consciousness itself and this is where the movie really goes off a cliff this is where it like Oh, man. Like, Jack, I'm going to pull you back because I don't want you to fall off the cliff and die. <laughs> well, the reason I mentioned the main subject, and again, we're going to talk about this later, but the movie in a way, it's interesting that Neil Blomkamp now has, I don't know if you've read the news, but he's going to make the next Alien movie. Mm. And he's actually involved, like he sort of got Sigourney Weaver involved as well to star in it as Ripley. And now I've I don't know what all the details of the story are. Presumably, they may actually f- completely disregard the third and fourth films, and it'll make a direct sequel to it's Aliens. It's not a bad decision. <laughs> it's it's an interesting decision. I don't think Alien three and four are as bad as people say they are. I actually don't think they're that bad. They're not like they're obviously not as good as the first two, no. but they have some re- interesting qualities. Um. But the thing is, that the, the reason I bring up Alien is also, watching this movie, I have not felt so frustrated with like a major released science fiction movie since Prometheus. It's the kind uh. of movie where you get so many questions, moment to moment. Like, there are some movies that, you know this, you go and see them, and then you're still enjoying it. You're wrapped up sort of in the story. Up you don't ask the questions you until later. You don't ask the questions until later. This is a movie where I was asking questions while the scenes were happening. Yes. And you know, wondering, wait a minute, why why would he do that? Wait, what why why is that happening? No, wait, no, you can't do that. No, you just set this up a minute ago. You can't suddenly change it. Wait, so how is this uh, so Yeah. That's where, you know, and that Prometheus had some of that problem. In a way, Chappie has even more than Prometheus, which is saying something. Like, this script is a mess. And it's a shame because they put a lot of work into the special effects. Um, Charlotte Copley, who was the lead in District 9, he actually plays Chappie. Like, it's a... His voice. Well, no, not even his voice. It's like Planet of the Apes. Like they, oh, motion they capture. They did, like, the motion capture. He plays the robot, too. And, you know, and that is... That's, an, that's fascinating in of itself because... You know, watching the movie, you think that you're just seeing this robot on screen, but it's actually CGI, and that's impressive. Like, obviously, uh, Neil Blomkamp came from a visual effects background. He came from... He was originally going to make a Halo movie uh, oh. before he made District 9. And it's funny, because, like, originally he was going to make the big, big movie as his first movie. Then they pulled... Then they didn't make it, and then he made District 9 as, like, a little movie. Um... The problem is, I think that he he should get... He's one of these directors that needs to get someone else to write his scripts. Or to really supervise him, to rein him in. I think on District 9, Peter Jackson produced that. And I have to wonder if he maybe had a handle somehow in sort of pulling Neil Blomkamp back from some of his more wacky tendencies. Because he just, like... Just with the whole matter of the consciousness, that in of itself... Like, like I'm probably getting red just talking about it. Because it's one of those things where you see a lot of potential here to explore 
artificial intelligence to explore what happens when, you know, sentient things come to life. And in a way, it's like the reverse of RoboCop. Because in RoboCop, you know, you have a human. It's about sort of it's destroyed. about a human becoming a machine. Yeah, and a this human is becomes supposed to be machine. about machine becoming human. Yeah, exactly. Like Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of that, or AI. Yeah, and AI is like so much. Like, if you want to suddenly appreciate AI all over again, why well, happy? <laughs> so, so, never thought you'd say this. Instead of seeing Chappie, go see AI. Yeah, or Snowpiercer. <laughs> We're going back to that. Um, so All yeah, right. Chappie is, to say the least, a a disappointment. And also, again, like I said, he the one last thing I should mention again with villains. If anybody has seen Elysium out there, Charlotte Copley in that movie is watching like a train wreck. You're watching <laughs> this guy who is just all over the place. And the same thing with Hugh Jackman here. It's like. It's funny because at one point in the movie, uh, Chappie is like, he turns on a TV and He-Man and Masters of the Universe are on. <laughs> I feel like this is like a He-Man cartoon. It has that mentality. Yeah. So, all right. That's lame. Let me decompress and let's go on to your first movie. All right, I'm going to change gears because the first movie I saw in the last two weeks was Lovelace with mm, Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried? Seyfried? Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. I know, it's one of those names. Yeah. And this is the story of Linda Lovelace, uh, the, what's her name? What was her original name? She did have a different name. That's a yeah, good point. Like, that was her porn star name. Uh, I, her, I could look it up. No, here it is. I got it. Uh, uh, Linda Lovelace, originally uh, Linda Borman. Okay. Uh, who became famous as the star of the most successful porn movie of all time, Deep Throat. That's and right. this is essentially uh, a biopic of her life. Yeah. And it mainly focus uh, it mainly focuses on her marriage with uh, Chuck Trainer. Yeah. Now remind me who? Oh, uh, Stellan. No, no. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this movie. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the performances. Amanda Seyfried. I realized at the beginning that she has to do something very hard because she has to act like she's a bad actress. <laughs> as she, as she's doing the deep throat scenes. Oh, I well, I love seeing actors be able to do that well. I mean, if you watch uh, Boogie Nights, uh, Julianne Moore is really great at doing that in that movie, hmm. and also uh, like John C. Riley. You know, like when you know the the movie within the movie scenes in those in Boogie Nights are great. Yeah, and you you wouldn't think that would be a challenge, but I mean. You know, you can be a good actor, but to kind of reverse it and to try to act badly is a real challenge. Linda? Harry. We're getting it on in the next scene. Oh, hey, it's nice to meet you. I thought your name was Dick. My stage name used to be Dick Long, but it <clears throat> sounded kind of obvious, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's a great business, isn't it? Anyway, I just thought I'd come uh, and introduce myself before we started going at it. You okay? I'm a little nervous. I've never had lines to talk before. We got the best job in the world. We just tune everybody out, live in the moment, like we're the only two people on the planet. Tune everybody out. 
Live in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. And she and she well, for better or worse, does it. I mean, she's great in this. And then Peter Sarsgaard. He's also pretty true. Oh, he gives he a pl- tremendous performance. As the biggest douchebag who ever existed. <laughs> An abusive douchebag. Yeah. And oh man, he I just remember him so well. Because yeah, I'm this suddenly, is based I'm, on... I haven't seen this movie in a little while, but I, I'm suddenly getting like a flood of images of, of him in the movie. Yeah. I, uh, Linda Borman and he get married and inst and like instantly he, he like, he starts off very charming. Like, yeah. like a lot of abusive husbands do in real life. And yeah. then once they're married, it really, you know, they reveal the, uh, you know, the abusive side of their sure. nature and he, like, uh, and he's. He's so narcissistic and uh, invested really, in himself. It's, it's he, really more about yeah. He makes it more about him. Yeah. You know, it's like the the thing about this movie is that it uh, whoever made this movie clearly saw the film Star Eighty. Now I don't know if you've ever heard of Star Eighty. It's a movie from the early eighties, directed by Bob Fosse. It was his last movie. Oh okay. And um, in that movie, that was that had Eric Roberts and. Uh, I'm going to say Mariel Hemingway, and I'm probably going to be wrong, but it was about this Playboy star named Dorothy Stratton, and she also had a very abusive relationship uh, with this guy, and he was super controlling of her and trying to direct her career a certain way, um, and of course, and that ended up in tragedy because Dorothy Stratton was killed by this guy. Yeah. Lovelace well, sort of uh, shows the other side of that, where you know by the end... She she escapes from him play. and is able to build a life for herself with not with another family and and uh, speaking out uh, against pornography. Uh, yeah, but here's the ironic part: uh, a lot of this this takes a lot of uh, stuff from Linda Borman's autobiography. Yeah. Now here's the thing: according to this movie and uh, and what from yeah, what I've read from the movie, but, but according to this movie and from what, I, what I've read about her biography, the porn stuff that she did was actually one of the most positive things to ever happen to well, her. Well, the the making of Deep Throat, I mean, they were it was meant to be funny. Yeah, but here's the thing: like she, uh, like her husband is abusing her, and he's the reason she gets into this into this porn business. Uh, you know, yeah, it's he not of her, he, he needs he, money. He's a leech. Right. He wants to leech money off her and to pay off. Like he has lots of yeah. debts. He's, he's a, he's a scumbag. Yeah. But, and here's the thing. He forces her to do it. But when she gets on the set, like everybody who works on it is really friendly to her. Like the makeup lady, he, she's, you know, she's a former porn star and she's like, yeah, you look really good, it's and a, and she notices the bruises on her leg. Is like, oh, I had a husband like that. And then the guy, her the male lead who's having the sex scene with her, he's like, he comes up to her before, and he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm I'm whatever. And he's like, listen, this is this is it's just us. It's not about anything. It's just there's nobody else in the world. And he puts her at ease. And the director and the producer they see that her husband is is really going to be a problem, so they send him away. <laughs> yeah. To, uh, like, on a bogus errand. And later on, it's the producer who helps her escape from, uh, uh, what's her husband's name? Mm-hmm. Uh, from, uh, Chuck, from Chuck. Yeah, it's like it every... a pleasant experience, despite the circumstances of it. Yeah, but, uh, 
And if, you know, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, she was forced into it, but like, no, but like, aside from her husband saying you have to do this for us, really, me, like everybody was really cool, and and uh, and if it had been any other thing except porn, it would have been everyone would have been like, oh, like the movie set me free or something like that. And I find it just really ironic that everyone, like, she goes to speak out against porn when the people she met and the stuff she did were basically her respite from her abuse, abusive husband. Yeah. Here's one of my favorite scenes. Like, I, to- I told how Peter uh, Sarsgaard plays such a narcissistic dick. Mm. He's He wants to capitalize on Linda Lovelace's yeah, fame. Does he, does he create, like, merchandise? Yeah, he creates, like, a blow-up doll and yeah. sex things. And, I, and he creates a dildo. Which oh, is yeah, like, which is right. supposed to say Lovelace on the other side, and he wants his his name on the other side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what scene I liked? What? James Franco is Hefner. Oh yeah. <laughs> he just pops up and he's James Hugh, Franco he's is Hugh Hefner. I love that, and you know he actually. And again, Hugh Hefner gets a pretty positive portrayal. He's, he's, he's offering he her a lot of opportunity and like the chance to be um, like, a, well, it, mostly positive. There is that moment where he does kind of like, all right, go down on me. Yes. Okay. Uh, but I mean, um, <laughs> uh, I, mean, but compared to her husband, like, <laughs> uh, you know, at least he doesn't, you know, smack her around and punch her in the face, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, you know, he, he's happy. Again. He, he's a charming, you know, suave playboy. Yeah. <laughs> no but, other way to say it like that, yeah. but you know what I mean. Like, um, no, I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Especially, yeah, Amanda Seyfried really gives it her all. Um, yeah. You know, she, you know, very vulnerable performance. Um, you know, and, you know, it's, and it's funny too, because, I mean, she, she bears all, so to speak, but, like, it's not like that. In a way, it's not that titillating. It just kind of shows. All right, here. Well, it's hard. It's it's hard to be titillated in a movie which is about a, a woman getting abused by her husband. Well, no, no. That's what, but I'm saying that the filmmakers did a good job by doing it that way. Yeah. And here's here's how I just want to end this. This is like the uh, little bit of information. Like at the end of every biopic or or historical drama, you put a little bit of it, real mm. information at the end. And it said Deep Throat made six hundred million dollars. I the thing about Deep Throat is that it was made at a time when you like the thing like independent films at a certain point some of them counted box office receipts but some of them didn't there were some theaters that just kind of pocketed change and didn't bring them back like when it came to those poor movies you know that like those independent people who produced it they had to go and collect the money right like that's sort of like how nobody really knows how much Night of the Living Dead made. Yeah. Well, according to the movie, it said uh, that Deep Throat made $600 million. I mean, that has to be worldwide. Right. And, I mean, that's still extraordinary. And Linda Lovelace, for her part, got paid $1,250. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's that's the movie, but still makes you, makes you think. Yeah. I would say that, again, the thing about this movie is that it's, I called it one of the best feminist films of the year. Yeah. When I saw it. It has kind of a feminist take on the subject in a way because it's very much woman positive. I'd uh, I disagree, but mm. I'd still uh, but it's still an excellent film. 